Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. Something that just struck me as I was sitting down there just worshiping and listening and um, kind of on the hills of baptizing Miss Marilyn this morning, I, I remembered a sweet lady in our church years ago before we were in the army. Her name was Miss Eva. Eva lived next door to the church. And um, as soon as the doors were open, Miss Eva was there, very quiet, hardly didn't hear very many words from Miss Eva through the years. But Miss Eva walked up to me after church one Sunday morning. She says, I need to get baptized. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Church never assume <laughs> anything about people. So I was talking to Miss Eva, and I never had a conversation about, we talked about salvation, just never about, about that, that step. And uh, she said, um, but I'm terrified of the water. And so for her to boldly stand there that, mo- that Sunday morning reminded me a lot of this morning as Miss Marilyn boldly stood there, not because of anything she's done, but because of what God has done. Church, it isn't about us. It's all about him. That's fun stuff. Hard pause. All right, jump into what we're doing this morning. You ever have a book that you just enjoy reading, that you find yourself reading it over and over and over again? Besides the Bible, we don't need like kind of, kind of church answer this morning. There, there are some books I revisit pretty consistently. Um, one book I love to revisit uh, probably on an annual basis, if, if anything, every other year is a book called um, uh, Days of Anguish, Days of Hope. It's a, it's a book written by um, a, a former chaplain. His name was Chaplain Preston. He, he became the chief of chaplains of the Air Force. Um, he, was in, um, he was on the Bataan Death March as a captured chaplain, spent a number of years as a POW, and just his story is incredible. Story of heartache, but story of hope. It's a book I, I, read, I read often. There's, there's also another book I enjoy reading, um, not, not spiritual, not a spiritual book, but a book called Inside Delta Force. Um, Inside Delta Force is a book written by a guy named Eric Haney, who was um, one of the founding members of the Delta Force of Special Operations. So if you think uh, Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6, think Special Operations, Delta, um, Delta Force. They're just one of those elite forces of fighting people. And, and in his book, he talks a lot about the selection process of how he was invited to go through selection and to, to see if he would then qualify to be a, um, a Delta Force operator. Of the 160-something individuals that started out this, his selection course, I believe 18 made it through the final, final phase. And I think about 15 or 16 of those were then invited to be a part of the unit. Um, the, the final phase of his of, of the training, as he talks about, was a 40-mile ruck march. 40-mile ruck march that would take place across about 18 hours. And so the way that this ruck march happened is that they were given a, um, a, an, an eight-digit an eight grid point on a map. He had, to plot the, he had to plot the point, and then he had to start walking. And that wasn't the entire, entire, the entire march. That was just kind of the first leg. And so he tells about waking up. I think they started somewhere around one or two o'clock in the morning. And he plotted, he, he received his, his, his point. Um, he plotted it. And they sent him out 
about 15 minutes apart. That way they weren't, because they weren't allowed to help each other on the, on the ruck march. And so he starts his ruck march and he's feeling good about himself. And he's, he's, he's moving along at a pretty good pace, actually catches the person in front of him, keeps moving, keeps moving, keeps moving. And he was walking for a number of hours. Then all of a sudden, as he's walking, he's looking around himself and goes, Stuff, something just doesn't feel right. But he keeps walking. And then he gets a little bit further down the road and says, no, something is definitely not right. Because he was starting to see things around him that just didn't seem familiar. See, as he had plotted that first point, he had also seen, hey, this is the route I'm going to take to get there. And so these are also the things that I should pass as I'm going. And he realized something horrible had happened. He had taken a wrong turn. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm walking a mile, I don't want to take a wrong turn. He was walking 40 miles and he had taken a wrong turn. And so by looking at his surroundings and looking at the map, he was able to determine where he was on the map and he was nowhere close to where he had to be. So he plotted a new direction to kind of get to a point on the path where he was supposed to be. And at the end of the day, or at the end of the next day, even though he, had, um, he was able to finally finish the 40-mile ruck march, it actually took him over 50 miles to finish the 40. Do you ever feel sometimes like you're moving in the right direction, but then all of a sudden you look around and you're not moving in the right direction? You ever gotten lost before? And you realize, how did I get here? And how do I get back on track? We're in the book of Mark and we're looking at uh, Jesus moving toward the cross. Jesus is on the move and what has he called us to do? If Jesus is on the move, he has chosen in his, in his infinite wisdom, even though I would question the wisdom sometimes, he has invited people like me to come along for the journey. He has invited me to move along with him. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he, is in, he has called you to move with him, to move in his direction. But if we're going to move in his direction, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, how do we make sure that we are moving in the right direction? How do we make sure that we're moving in the right, right direction? If we're moving where God wants us to move, how do we ensure, how do we make sure, how do we put in, put in place boundaries to make sure that we are moving in the right direction? If you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, turn with me to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse number 13. As we look at this question this morning, how do we make sure we are moving in the right direction? Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse number 13. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Sons of Thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when, he, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind." How do we make sure that we are moving in the right direction when it comes to following after Jesus? Well, the first thing that I think we can see from this, from this passage is that when we are moving in the right direction, we know we are doing so when we stay close to Jesus. When we stay close to Jesus. Look there at verse number 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came 
to him. Two things take place here. Jesus surveys the crowd and he's looking for those out of those that are following after him, he's getting ready to appoint some to be apostles. We refer to them often as the 12 disciples. And he called those individuals to him. And it says there that they came to him. Church, if we are going to move in the right direction, if we are going to stay on the right path, we need to stay close to Jesus. When Jesus calls us to remain close to him, we need to stay close to Jesus. If you're going to move in the right direction, you must put yourself in close proximity to him who has called you, to him who has saved you. And this will run contrary to a lot of the things that the world will be telling or that you'll think the world is, is going to be telling you to do because the world will tell you to go it alone. The world will tell you to go at your own pace. The world will say, once you are um, remotely qualified, you're good to go. You just keep going. But that's not how it is with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will never reach the point to where you no longer need to be close to him. No, if you're a follower of Jesus, until the day he calls you home, you need to be close to the one who saved you. You need to remain close to Jesus. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And notice when Jesus called them, they really had a choice. When Jesus called those 12 to him, they could either come to him or they could walk away from him. And that wouldn't have been the first time that some people had walked away from him. I know we've mentioned the passage before, but over in John chapter 6, as Jesus starts talking about what it means to follow after him, he tells the crowd, the followers, followers of him, that they needed to eat his flesh and drink his blood. You remember that passage? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And people are, people are absolutely disgusted. They are appalled. They are shocked that Jesus would make those statements. And it says in that time, there at the end of John chapter 6, that many followers, not, not adversaries, not people on the fringe just waiting for him to mess up, people that had been following him decided not to follow after him. People that were kind of testing out the waters, people that were seeing if this Jesus thing were something that they wanted to do. And when Jesus said, hey, here are the steps to following after me, they said, we don't have anything, we don't, we don't want anything to do with that. People could walk, they could have walked away from him, they could have ignored him, but instead they came to him. In church, the, the choice is the same. If you're following after Jesus, when Jesus says, hey, come near to me, you could choose to ignore him or you could choose to come after him. To position yourself close to Jesus. See, I have found in life when I have gotten on the wrong path, when I have gone in the wrong direction, have been times that I've been ignoring the voice of God and instead listening to my own voice. When I have distanced myself from the Lord. You see, God's communication is always clear. God never misspeaks. God's never muddy in his language or in his voice. It never. But we could put things in our life that when we distance ourselves from him, that we put in place barriers that make it difficult for us to speak. See, right now it's easy to have a conversation with you because we're all sitting in the same room, right? So if I, were to, uh, if I were to come down and Jim and I were to get into a talk, Jim and I were to have a talk, it'd be an easy conversation for us to have. But if I were to have Jim stay here in the room and I were to go outside of those doors, could we still have a conversation? Sure, but it'd be a little strained, wouldn't it? We'd have to yell at each other a little bit. 
Well, if I were to go outside the building and walk over to Ewing, which I'd probably go the wrong direction. It'd be a long, long walk. Walk over to Ewing outside of a, if we didn't have a phone, there's no way that Jim and I could have a conversation. When we put distance between us and God, it's hard to hear from God. But know this, God never puts distance between him and us. When God calls us to sit with him, to spend time with him, we need to do that. In church, we need to do that daily. See, the same things apply today as applied to then. Yes, they had Jesus in the same room, but we have God with us today. So the way that we make sure that we stay close to Jesus is we need to spend time in his word daily so that we can know who he is, so we can know the steps that he is calling us to take. Spend time reading God's word daily. Spend time in prayer daily. And spend time fellowshipping with other believers. This is how we remain close to God. This is how we remain in close proximity to the one who is saved. How do we make sure we are moving in the right direction? Stay close to Jesus. But here's the second thing. Not only do we stay close to Jesus, but we also follow Jesus' direction. We follow Jesus' direction. Verse 13, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him and he appointed 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. See, when Jesus called the 12 to himself, he gave them direction. He gave them marching orders. He gave them steps that they were gonna need to take in order to follow after him and move in the direction that he wanted them to move in. He wanted them to, he, he called them to him so that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. In order to let the world know who the authority came from. Those were their marching orders. That's what, that's what they that was their um, initial plan of action. That was the direction that they were going to move in. He made it clear, here's what you're going to do. One of the great things about Jesus is Jesus not only is not muddy in, in the way that he speaks, he's not muddy with his direction. You don't have to guess Jesus. You don't have to guess what it looks like to follow after him. He lets us know what it looks like to follow after him. His marching orders are always clear. They were clear for the disciples and praise be to God, they're clear for us. He has let it be known just basic things that we should always do, that we should, we should, that we should participate in on a daily, weekly, always kind of basis. I might have shared the story before, but I had a good friend in college named Sean Cabanis. We called him Cab. And I remember one day walking with Cab and somebody walking up to Cab and saying, um, hey, Cab, this weekend we're going to take a group of students to a youth evangelism conference. I want you to pray about coming with us and serving as a, as a sponsor. And Cab said no. <laughs> Cab was a new believer. Cab said no. I don't need to pray about that. I'll go. I thought that was interesting. And as that person walked off, I said, Cab, what on earth, man? What do you mean you didn't need to pray for it? He said, Kirk, God's already called me to serve him. I didn't need to pray about serving him. I'm free this weekend. Why not go? You know, sometimes we try to spiritualize a situation and a scenario when it comes to following after God. But at times, God's already called us to take the steps that we need to take when it comes to following after him. See, God has called us to worship corporately and to fellowship with other believers. We don't have to pray about doing that. You don't have to wake up on a Sunday morning and pray whether or not you should go to church and worship with other people. 
You should go to church and worship with other people. Even if your favorite football team got drummed yesterday and you don't want to see others face to face. Or even if you had a rough weekend and you don't want people to have to ask you questions. You don't have to wake up on Sunday morning and go, I wonder if I should worship with other people this morning. No, you should worship with other people. You don't have to, have to pray about that. That's direction that Jesus has already given us. It's important for us to come together and worship. You don't have to pray about making disciples. And Jesus has already told us to make disciples. He's taught us to make disciples. He's called us to mature disciples. He's called us to multiply disciples. That's what Jesus has placed on our hearts. He's already told us to do that. You don't have to pray about that. I wonder if I should make disciples. Yes, you should. Jesus has already given that direction. It's a clear direction. Go, therefore, into all nations and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've, I've commanded you. And know this, Jesus will be with you every step of the way. We don't have to pray about that. We don't have to wonder. I wonder if Jesus is calling me to make disciples. Jesus is. We don't have to pray about whether Jesus is calling us to serve. He's calling us to serve. Now, I don't know exactly what area of life he's calling you to serve in, but there is no one that God has called to be a follower of him and not be a servant of him. Everybody's been called to serve. Now, I believe that God gifts people and that God um, gives passions to individuals. And there, is, there should be plenty of opportunity and plenty of room for you to serve within your gifting and within your passion. But no one just gets to be a consumer. There's no such thing as, I've already paid my dues. I've already, I've already given my time. It's now just time for me to sit here and wait for Jesus to either come back or to call me home. Church, that day doesn't exist. The day doesn't exist for you to um, have clocked in enough times and it's time for you just to wait for the day to where you're either, either your heart quits ticking or Jesus says, come on home, or he comes back. That's, that day doesn't exist. No, you serve him until the day that he calls you home. And it might mean that your, your area of service changes over time. The area might, might change. The calling never does. The direction is always there. Serve the Lord. When it comes to following Jesus' direction, we don't have to play, pray about sharing the good news with the world around us. You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to sit there and go, I wonder if I should tell this person about Jesus. If you ask yourself that question, the answer is yes. God, I wonder if I should tell this person about Jesus. Yes. Well, I don't know if I have enough time. Well, maybe they don't have enough time for you not to. because they might not have any more time left. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that's going to have that conversation. There was, a, there was a song that came out years ago. I don't remember the whole, the whole song. John, I'm horrible with remembering lyrics to songs. But it was talking about it might take 15 times for someone to, someone to get saved. 15 times for their, them hearing the gospel. 15 times of them encountering someone that was willing to tell them about Jesus. But you might be number eight. It might take 15 times, but you might need to be number eight. At the end of the day, who is it that saves people? <laughs> Jesus saves people. You can't save people. But there are a lot of people that say, listen, I can't save anyone. Therefore, I'm not going to tell anyone. No, 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 you have a part to play. Your part is the telling. The Holy Spirit's part is the, convic is, is the convicting. And Jesus' part is the saving. But you have a part to play. Jesus has given you that direction. You don't need to pray about that direction. Jesus already called you to share. See, Jesus told those disciples very specifically, hey, 
so that you might be with me, I'm going to send you out to preach and to cast out, to have the authority to cast out demons. Those were their marching orders. Church, we have our marching orders. Jesus is clear with his direction. And if we are going to make sure that we are moving in the right direction, we need to follow his direction. Because at the end of the day, me and God, we don't have a conversation about what I think, what, what might be right. God's already got that one figured out. I just get to say yes, sir, and drive on. He'll make things clear. He'll tell us the exact step that we need to take. But church, most of these things, he's already told us this step to take. We just need to take them. How do we make sure we're moving in the right direction? We follow his lead, we follow his direction, and then we follow Jesus with other people. We follow Jesus with other people. This isn't a one-man journey. It's not like Eric Haney, who was on that 40-mile ruck march, and they were given strict instructions. You don't talk to anybody. You don't help anybody. If someone is stuck, you let them stay, stay stuck, and we'll come out and help you. We'll come out and help them. No, your job is to do this on your own. That's not the way that God has set things up here. God has set things up for us to do things with one another. He appointed 12 individuals. He didn't appoint one. And as you read throughout scripture, you'll see that Jesus never sends out one individual. At the, at the smallest, he'll send them out in twos, but a lot of times it's not even in twos. He'll group them in threes. He'll put them all together as 12. Church, you're not here on your own. You're here with a group of people that love Jesus, and we should love Jesus together. And we should serve Jesus together. We're in this together. We don't have a one-person block party. No, we have a church-wide block party. We don't have a one-person Sunday school class, even though sometimes, they're, sometimes you'll feel like you're in a one-person Sunday school class. That's okay. We're here to encourage you. No, we're here to do this together. I will say, as I read through Scripture, there are a couple times that some individuals do go it alone, and it doesn't seem to work out well for them. Think of Judas. Where did Judas get himself in trouble? Judas got himself in trouble when he was having conversations with people on his own. Now, Judas had a heart issue. Judas was in it for himself. He wasn't in it for Jesus. But we see Judas fail the most. We see him fall the hardest when he's out there on his own, when he goes and sees the religious leaders by himself to set Jesus up so that he could betray him. We also see Peter make some missteps when he's out there on his own. Remember when they... when. Peter and John go to the trial of Jesus. John goes inside, but Peter stays outside by the fire. And as he's sitting there by himself, surrounded by people that start to ask questions, that's when he denied Jesus, not once, but three times. We're not meant to go it alone. We're meant to do this thing called life together. We're meant to do it as a family, as a team. It's in golf. It's in tennis. It's in some kind of individual one-act play, one-person play. Now, this is a team effort. This is a family effort. If we're going to stay on the right path, we do it together because it's when we find ourselves venturing off that that one person says, I don't know what you're doing, but that's the wrong way to go. It's like when Brandy and I are on a trip and all of a sudden I exit and she goes, what on earth are you doing? I was like, is this not the place I'm supposed to go? She's like, no, it's not the place. And if you're, and if you're driving off GPS, that's not always clear. 
Because all of a sudden, it'll put you in a completely different city when you didn't even know it. It's like, why am I in this place? If you're ever driving to Colorado and find yourself in flat cornfields, you are in Kansas. <laughs> no, we, we do life with one another to help, help us course correct, which means we do life with people who are of like mind and faith. I'll be honest, it must have been difficult to be paired with Judas because Judas' heart wasn't beating for the right thing. No, your closest people, the people that you do life with the closest, should be people of like mind and faith as you then go out to serve God the way that he's called you to serve. I want to finish well. I want to finish. I want to finish on the right path. I want to finish at the finish line God wants me to finish at. You know, and sometimes life will give you detours. Sometimes the best detours are the detours that God has you go on in order to encounter people, right? The most painful detours are the detours you decide to take on your own. Sometimes it takes a little bit bit of time getting back to the path that you have been called to walk and the path that you've been called to journey. Stay close to Jesus. Follow the direction that he has set in front of you. And do this thing called walking after God with other people. You don't have to go it alone. And I believe there are some people here this morning who might feel very lonely in this thing called life. And I don't know your situation. I don't know, your, I don't know why you might feel that way. But I'm here to tell you that if Emmanuel Baptist Church is the place that I think it is, you don't have to go through life alone. Jesus is always with you. But as I've heard from my mom many times, sometimes it's nice to have someone with skin walking beside you. So I I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Are you moving in Jesus's direction? You're moving in a direction. Are we all good with that? Because even if you're standing still, you're you're drifting in some way, shape, or form. What is it that saying is if 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 you're not growing, what are you doing? You're dying, almost. I mean, it's, there's no such thing as plateau. In business world, even if you're plateaued, you're moving backwards. No, if you're not growing, you're moving in the opposite direction. You're moving somewhere. You need to ask yourself, am I moving where God wants me to move? Am I heading in his direction? Which begins with this. Have you tethered your life to Jesus? Is he your lifeline? Have you positioned yourself and are you staying close to him? And the first step in the life of a a person who has not been following after Jesus is to step up and go, God, I am a sinner in desperate need of your salvation. Will you forgive me of my sins and save me? And the Bible says without doubt that he will save you. And that's your first step. But you have to stay close to Jesus and you'd have to ask yourself, am I moving in his direction? If you've taken that first step, if you're following after Jesus, then you need to realize, you need to kind of ask yourself the question, hey, what are my my second and third steps I need to take? This morning we saw Miss Marilyn here just a few weeks ago. She realized she needed to take that next step. She'd given her life to Jesus. She'd been saved by the grace of God, but she hadn't gone public with it. Well, I'm telling you, she went public with it this morning and that was a beautiful and glorious thing. 
Not because it made Miss Marilyn beautiful and glorious, because it showed how great and gracious our God is. That was so, that's what was so beautiful about that. I need to take a step. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but it, it hasn't stopped. You have a step to take. Are you taking the step that he has called you to take? Have you, are, are you staying close to Jesus? Are you just doing the basics? You know, th- see, I think a lot of times we want to do the specifics. Now just ask yourself, am I doing the basics? Am I doing the first next thing that he's called me to do? And church, I just want, to, want you to remind yourself, we're in it together. Don't go it alone. Will you respond today? Maybe you need to, here in just a minute when we have a, have a time of, of singing, a response, maybe you just need to sit there and pray and go, God, I, I stay close to you. I spend time in, in the word. I spend time in prayer. But God, I'm, I'm not taking some of those natural steps that I'm supposed to be taking in following your direction. Let God convict you this morning. And he's not going to know this. He's not going to beat you up. He's just going to rewrite the ship. And the beauty is, is where it, tur- where it took uh, Eric Haney 10 miles to get back on track. You can take a thousand steps away from God. But when you turn back to him, he will put you right back on the path. There might be some consequences to it. There may, might be some pain to it. But he'll put you back on the path. Don't try to get back on the path yourself. Instead, run to Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com.